Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hit it! This election cycle, history cannot repeat itself. Election 2020 is like no other. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police not getting in. Sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. One anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. in August, you said the U.S. needed to get to 10,000 cases per day to be on, to get some control over this virus. Well, right now, we are averaging more than 40,000 new cases a day. How would you describe... Stop tape, stop tape. So this is uh, Good Morning America interviewing the John Kasich of medicine, Dr. Fauci. Uh, He's their go-to guy now in the mainstream media because they know that... Fauci and President Trump don't see eye to eye. I mean, it's pretty clear. And that Dr. Fauci is not just driven by the science. He's not just driven by the medicine. He's not just driven by the data. He's driven by something else. What it is, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of ego in this. I think he loves the fact that he's being splashed across the pages of the mainstream media, including Time Magazine. Does Time Magazine even really exist anymore? He's the uh, person of the month, or he's not the he's not the person of the year, but he's, well, he probably will be the person of the year. Dr. Fauci is awarded by the mainstream media because they love him now. He's the John Kasich of medicine. He's their go-to guy because they can know they can throw these softball questions at him that are thinly veiled attacks or not so thinly veiled attacks on the 45th president of the United States and they know they'll get the answers they want 10,000 cases we need to be down to if Dr. Fauci says we need to be down to 10,000 cases we are a country of 330 something million people 10,000 cases (laughs) 10,000 cases isn't even a rounding error when you're talking 330 plus million people. 10,000 cases is virtually zero. And speaking of virtually zero, have you seen the latest numbers from the CDC? I post them on my social media. Let's see them. I can dig them up uh, very quickly here. This is going to be a challenge for me here uh, because I have to multitask and that's talk to you uh, and dial up my computer and my Twitter account. I pulled it from uh, the account of the governor of Florida. You may have heard of him. His name is Ron DeSantis. And he had the guts. I've seen it posted other places, and I've I've, I've reposted it myself. He had the guts to republish the CDC recovery numbers uh, from the Wuhan coronavirus. 
And in case you don't know, in case you haven't seen this, and they're not widely publicized, I'm sure they're being blacked out by the social media police because you can't have the truth out there. You can only have what Dr. Fauci says. The recovery rate, estimated, but it's estimated based on numbers, right? The updated survival rates by age group, age zero, all right, zero, zero to 19, is 99.997%. So if you contract the Wuhan coronavirus and you're age 17, you have a 99.997% chance of surviving, all right? So that's the first age group. The second age group is 20 to 49. The survival rate there, about the same, statistically, 99.98%. 99.98%. If you're 48 years old, you have a 99.98% chance of surviving. The next age group is 50 to 69. That survival rate is... Again, if you round off these numbers, is virtually the same, statistically speaking. 99.5% survival rate. 99.5% survival rate if you're in that age group, 50 to 69. Now, these are the people who are supposedly vulnerable, right? In, in, in the age group in their, in their 60s. Your survival rate is 99.5%. In your 60s. Now, this doesn't factor in the the big issue that seems to be a driver in the deaths of the Wuhan coronavirus, and these are these comorbidities, and it's not even necessarily something terribly severe. It could be something as simple as just being simply obese, and we know that a large percentage of the population of the United States is technically obese, and unfortunately, obesity runs even higher in some of the so-called ethnic minority groups, a.k.a. black and Hispanic. And so that's why these radicals run around the country screaming at at people in the Trump administration, saying, hey, um, the minority groups are being disproportionately affected and killed by the Wuhan coronavirus. It's, It's all backwards. It's all backwards. No, the minority groups are disproportionately unhealthy. And so they're more susceptible to the Wuhan coronavirus. Okay, so what's the last age group? It's 70 plus. Now remember, 50 to 69 is 99.5% survival rate. In the age group 70 plus, 94.6%. Now, obviously that's not as good as 99.9%, but 90. 4.6% is pretty damn high. Pretty damn high. And so why isn't Dr. Fauci running around the country giving the American people this good news? Apparently, Dr. Fauci is not in the business of good news. And the the crazy notion of of his metric of that the United States needs to be down to 10,000 cases? For us to rest well at night? Are you out of your mind? So Good Morning America and these other mainstream media outlets, they they bring on Fauci so they can attack Trump and make Trump look bad, at least attempt to make Trump look bad. So here's Fauci. 
with more bad news. Roll right, tape. Where we are as a nation right now. Yeah. Well, we're not in a good place with regard to what I had said back then, because as we get into the fall and the winter, you really want the level of community spread to be as low as you possibly get it. Of course. Stop tape. Of course. Of course that's what you want. You want community spread to be as, as low as possible, no matter what the virus is, right? Back in the, what was it, probably the mid-80s, there was community spread of HIV going on. Scared the living daylights out of everybody. It changed behaviors, it changed habits, became more educated about HIV, AIDS, uh, over the, the months and the years uh, following the initial reports of it. But obviously, any disease, any virus, you want to drive down the community spread. And yeah, you can do that by isolating yourself. You can do that by putting yourself in a bubble like the NBA did and interact with nobody. Imagine, imagine human beings doing that. Where would humanity be if that's the way we acted and reacted to every little trauma that we ever sustain as a society or suffer as an individual? going to live in a little bubble the rest of your lives. This is not America. This is not humanity. Yet we have the scientist, that's effectively what Fauci is, living on the public dole his entire life, his entire career. This is his moment in the sun. This is his moment to say, I am somebody, and I'm going to continue to spread fear among the American people and go on national television and scare everybody to death. Roll tape. As more people, as the weather gets colder here in this country and most parts of the country, people are going to be going indoors. There's certainly parts of the country that are doing well. But as you mentioned correctly, there are states that are starting to show uptick in cases. And e Stop tape. All right. This is what happens with a virus. It works its way through a society. On June 18th of this year, the Marxist socialist governor who can't read of California issued a mandate for everybody to wear masks in California. Everybody's got to wear a mask. Yet the numbers continued to go up after June 18th. Not only does that prove that masks don't work, which we've talked about time and time again, straight from the CDC website saying that masks don't work. Not only does it prove that masks don't work, but it proves that human beings, in particular politicians, have virtually no effect on a virus. Unless we all lived in bubbles and we never left our home and we never interacted with another human being, if that's the kind of life you want, yeah, we could probably mitigate all viruses, right? We could probably mitigate virtually every communicable disease on the planet if every human being in the United States didn't leave their home. Yeah, we could eradicate virtually every communicable disease on the planet in this country. But we're Americans. And we're human beings. And we have this insatiable desire to live our lives and to live free and to interact with human beings because that's the nature of being human. Otherwise, 
the human race would cease to exist. And here's Dr. Fauci effectively arguing for the American people to barricade themselves during this entire way. This is crazy. We've suffered through the most depressing summer that I know in my lifetime I will ever suffer through. Maybe in the history of this republic. I don't know. I wasn't alive during the 1918 flu pandemic back then. But it seems as though, sure, there, we have anecdotal pictures of people wearing masks and looking rather unhappy. But they always looked unhappy in the 1918 photos. What was the rest of the country doing in 1918? Probably not wearing masks. Probably living life. Probably being Americans and being human beings. And so the, the, the death toll, you're going to hear it from the mainstream media, once it crosses the million, it's about to cross the million mark globally from the Wuhan coronavirus. And stick with me here. This all ties into the election. Stick with me. It's going to pass a million, and they're going to be wall-to-wall. Oh, it's a million people. I'm sorry, but again, statistically speaking, a million people over seven months is nothing on a global scale. 150,000 people die every day across the globe. 5,000 die every day in the United States. 150,000? a day die of various diseases, including the Wuhan coronavirus. And there's been a grand total of a million? Globally. This is the worst pandemic in the history of pandemics. A million people globally from the Wuhan coronavirus. And it should be noted that When we look at our little apples and apples comparison in the United States here of Los Angeles County and Sweden, you're wondering what's going on in Sweden? Well, I just saw a video from the streets of probably, I don't know what city in Sweden, so I'm not going to guess. Some city in Sweden. People are walking around. They have their jackets on already because the season's turning. It's getting a little cold there already. And they're walking around smiling with no masks on. Here are the numbers from Sweden, all right? A population of 10 million people, roughly the same size as Los Angeles County. The total number of deaths from the Wuhan coronavirus in Sweden, 5,800. 5,800, they have 90,000 cases. Now, when you compare that in our apples and apples comparison to Los Angeles County, Los Angeles County, with a grand total of more than a quarter of a million cases, compare that to 90,000, all right? A quarter of a million cases in Los Angeles County and the deaths more than Sweden. 6,500 plus in Los Angeles County. Now, the reason why I keep going to this comparison is it's the closest apples and apples that I can find as a comparison of a country that did not go crazy over the Wuhan coronavirus, did not lock down their society, that's Sweden, versus a county in California that did go crazy over the Wuhan coronavirus and did lock down their society. The death toll numbers, the aggregate number of cases in Los Angeles County are worse than Sweden. That bears repeating. Sweden, which did not lock down and 
instead took measures to protect the vulnerable in its society, a.k.a. the, the elderly and the sick, and Los Angeles County, which went overboard and still is overboard in crushing constitutional rights, the death rate in Los Angeles County is higher than the death rate in Sweden. That's the empirical truth, Dr. Fauci. And you can put that in your CDC pipe and and you can smoke it. Now, a lot of the angst in the media right now is not so much directed at Fauci, Fauci, it's direct and the Wuhan coronavirus because they have other red meat to chew on right now and this is the Trump tax returns. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because this is all nonsense. We know when you are an entrepreneur in this country and you're building things like hotels in New York, you are creating jobs, number one, but you're also expanding the tax base. When you hire people, you are putting people on your payroll, yes, but you're also putting them on the payroll of the federal government, if you will, in terms of paying taxes. They're going to pay uh, Social Security taxes, uh, Medicare taxes. They're going to pay the payroll tax, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, they eventually pay their, their income tax. So when Donald Trump creates a job, it's not just a job. He's expanding the tax base for, for example, New York City or New York State and the federal government. Donald Trump is also paying taxes directly and indirectly just by going about his business and about going about his life as well. And so this reporting in the mainstream media that Donald Trump paid no income taxes is completely misleading. And if you read some of these stories, buried down in them is, oh, he did actually pay taxes. He just got money back, just like every other American. It's just on a larger scale, right? I mean, you may pay $8,000 in taxes uh, from your payroll taxes, and then you get a rebate of $6,000, right? Does that mean you didn't pay taxes? No, you paid taxes. You just got the, you're playing the system. You're playing the game, if you will, but you're playing by the rules. You're not gaming the system. You're not cheating. You're following the crazy rules set up by the IRS and the federal government. And so buried in stories is the truth, like this one. This is uh, from this DNYUZ website, whatever the heck that one is. But it it has a lot of news on it. And, of course, it's slanted against the Republicans and, and, and President Trump, but, but buried in their story on the breathless reporting that President Trump paid no income tax is this little nugget. Combined, Mr. Trump initially paid almost $95 million in federal income taxes. $95 million in federal income taxes over 18 years. But he later managed to recoup most of that money with interest by applying for and receiving a refund of $72.9 million, all right? So 95 subtract 72.973, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll round up a little bit, is $22 million. So he paid, deductive reasoning tells us, over that 18-year period, he paid $22 million. All right, so where's the story here? He's not cheating. 
He's paying taxes and he's getting a refund, just like you do, just like I do. Yet the media is all over this, insinuating that President Trump is not paying his fair share and that he's cheating and that he's about to go broke. Don't believe any of this nonsense is complete and total misreporting. Meantime, Breitbart came up with a little nugget here. This is interesting. Joe Biden exploited the S-Corporation loophole to avoid payroll tax. In this story, it turns out that Democrat candidate, former Vice President Joe Biden, used a series of tax code loopholes to avoid paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes over the years using this S-Corp. And so imagine that. Here we have the Democrat presidential candidate doing the same darn thing, completely ignored by the mainstream media. Also ignored by the mainstream media, of course, is what they should be focusing on. And the word is that this Durham report, by the way, is not going to come out. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's been reported here and there that we're not going to have this Durham report before the election. And that's a shame. And I, I don't think that we need to necessarily abide by an election timeline. But for crying out loud, I know he's only been on it for maybe a, a year and a half or so, but come on, give us a preliminary report. Give us something that the voters deserve to know what happened. And I'm sure it's driving President Trump crazy. And he's, of course, encouraging the mainstream media to do some journalism, to actually report on this. Instead of digging through his taxes, uh, b- by the way, it should be noted that the New York Times, in obtaining President Trump's tax returns, is violating the law. You cannot look at other people's tax returns unless you are a member of the IRS or some element of the federal government of the courts. You are not allowed to look at other people. It's a federal offense. The New York Times, in reporting these phony stories about Donald Trump's tax returns is violating federal law. So instead of digging through that garbage and violating the law in the process, why don't you mainstream media go after the greatest political scandal in the history of this republic? I would like to know, and so would the president. Roll tape. Because it's the biggest single scandal of our time, certainly the biggest political scandal perhaps in history. Stop tape. I... It's almost as if the president listens to me, because those are my words. It is the greatest political scandal in the history of this republic. And the it is a sitting presidential administration, that would be Obama and Biden, weaponizing its power in the executive branch and the fourth branch of government to try and affect the outcome of a presidential election. That would be Trump versus Clinton, Hillary. That is the greatest political scandal in the history of this republic. And it would be nice if Mr. Durham would get going. Roll tape. They they spied on our campaign, and then they uh, tried for a coup. That didn't work out too well. And uh, it turned out... Stop tape. He's alluding to, of course, um, the Mueller investigation... And, and weaponizing this fourth branch of government and the, uh, the FBI, the bad elements of the FBI, Peter Strzok, trying to get somebody in the administration, trying to get the president of the United States, 
trying to disrupt this administration. It's, it's disgusting what the Democrats and the fourth branch of government have gotten away with. And they've gotten away with it because too many Americans are asleep at the switch or hate this president and enjoy seeing our government being destroyed. Roll tape. Out that you read the you read the text that came out over the last three days. It turned out that they were really it was reversed. It was the uh, DNC and the Democrats that were using Russia. Stop tape. This is part of the report uh, on Hunter Biden at all uh, by the Senate Homeland Committee. That's what the president is uh, is alluding to here. And if you haven't read the report, I'll give you just a couple quick highlights of the conclusions of the report. And the report is Hunter Biden was up to his eyeballs in these international deals, receiving millions and millions of dollars to him and or the Biden family in general by going to places internationally like Ukraine, like China, where his daddy would also have a footprint where his daddy would soften the target, carpet bomb the target, so old son, Hunter Biden, could waltz all in in there and say, hey, how about some consulting fees? How about a little bit of uh, money for putting me on on the board of directors uh, for a company and an industry I know nothing about? So the conclusion of this report from the Senate Homeland Security Committee is, among other things, just a couple of things here, but it should raise eyebrows. If you're members of the mainstream media, don't you care about this little nugget? Hunter Biden received $3.5 million wire transfer from Elena Baturina, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. Russian collusion? Russian collusion, they, they try and stick President Trump with Russian collusion. This is what the president's alluding to here. Why would he receive $3.5 million from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow? Now, I would imagine that the mayor of Moscow is a, is a pretty close acquaintance, friend, companion, uh, co-worker of the guy in charge, that would be Vladimir Putin. I would imagine they're joined at the hip, being in Moscow. So why would Hunter Biden, just out of the blue, receive $3.5 million from this Elena Butrana, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow? Just wondering, if you're a member of the mainstream media, don't you kind of want to have an answer to that question? Here's another one. Hunter Biden had business associations with Chinese nationals linked to the communist government and the People's Liberation Army. Those associations resulted in millions of dollars of cash flow to the Bidens, either directly to Hunter Biden or to the Bidens in general. New York Times. Aren't you interested? A little bit, just a teeny little bit? In in that little nugget right there, all these close associations with a country that is China that has nuclear warheads aimed at our heads in this country? Don't you have a little bit of fascination on that that maybe you, for the sake of national security, ought to investigate 
how and why Hunter Biden received millions of dollars and, and what was given in exchange for that and what role his daddy may have played in all of this? Aren't you curious at all? And this little fascinating nugget to round off the investigation, Hunter Biden paid non-resident women who were nationals of Russia or other Eastern European countries and who appeared to be linked to an, quote, Eastern European prostitution or human trafficking ring. Can you imagine if Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr. uh, had an investigation like this and and that little nugget was part of the investigation? (laughs) Can you imagine? And so the media are fixated on Fauci and now they got the taxes. And all the while, Nancy Pelosi is preparing for what she hopes is history repeating itself, and that is having the election being undecided and it's thrown into the House of Representatives. Now, that hasn't happened uh, very often in our history. It, it, it happened, of course, during the re-election attempt of Adams, John Adams, our second president of the United States, and we know the outcome, he was eventually defeated. More recently, what the press has been quoting, and this article in Politico is quoting 1876, wasn't really exactly what Nancy Pelosi is envisioning here. The election of 1876 was Rutherford B. Hayes versus Samuel Tilden, and Tilden actually won the popular vote. Sound familiar? And the electoral vote was undecided it kind of froze at these numbers. 184 electoral votes for Tilden. Hayes had 165, but there were 20 electoral votes, 20, just enough to put Hayes over the top if he were to be awarded those 20. 20 electoral votes were in dispute, and those were in the states of South Carolina, Louisiana, and this third state by the name of Florida. Florida. In dispute. And so this resulted, it never really got to the point where the House of Representatives was directly involved. Members, individual members of Congress, both parties were involved, and they came up with something called the um, Compromise of 1877. And this compromise gave those 20 electoral votes to Rutherford. B. Hayes, he was declared the winner of the election. So he he won by one electoral vote. In exchange, Hayes was a Republican and Tilden, Democrat. In exchange, the Democrats, as part of the Compromise of 1877, um, were able to win some concessions for the South. Now remember, Democrat Party, slavery. And so this was, you know, right after the Civil War, within 10 years of the Civil War, or 20 years of the Civil War, 10 years. My math is off. 10 years. And, uh, or, or less. A, a little bit. Somewhere between 10 and 20, okay? Um, so it, Civil War was still in, in people's minds. And 
the Democrats wanted a couple of things. Among them, they wanted federal troops out of the South, no more occupation of the South. That was part of the compromise of 1877. But the other was the end to Reconstruction. Uh, and isn't that interesting? Of course, you know, part of Reconstruction was the integration of the South. And the Democrat Party wanted to stop giving rights to black Americans effectively. And that's what the modern Democrat Party's legacy is that no one wants to talk about. The party of slavery is the Democrat Party. And so what Nancy Pelosi is hoping for is that there is no outright winner. And there, you know, we have to brace ourselves. There is going to be no, unless President Trump wins in a landslide on November 3rd, there is going to be no declared winner until November 4th or 5th or 6th because of all this mail-in ballot and these individual states that are going to be accepting ballots well after the election. They're not going to call these states. And so we have to brace ourselves for this. This is why election 2020 is going to be like, no, it's just one more reason why election 2020 is going to be like no other. It's going to be breaking the mold. It's, it is already history in the making. But right now, if the election is thrown into the House of Representatives, it favors the Republicans. So what is Nancy Pelosi scheming over exactly right now? Well, she could be twisting the arm of uh, Justin Amash, for example, who is, quote, an independent, former Republican Trump hater, never Trumper, right? She could be uh, wheeling and dealing behind the scenes because it's not a huge margin. It's enough for victory, that's for sure. The Republicans control 26 delegations. Now, if it's thrown into the House... Each state, each delegation gets one vote each. One. So they're all equal. And so Republicans control 26 delegations. That would be 26 votes. So theoretically, that's enough, right? We have 50 states, 26. It's the majority, and that's it. The Democrats have 22. And then there are a couple of state houses, Pennsylvania and Michigan, where there is a plurality of Democrats. So you could throw those in, Pennsylvania and Michigan. So it's Democrats 24. So it's 26 to 24. Um, and so it's close. And I suppose Nancy could go after a delegate who is weak on the Republican side and try and pick that one off and maybe even two. Pick one off. And we have 25 to 25. 25 to 25. And then, if, if memory serves, then they just start voting in the House. And they start voting and voting and voting. And, and if that's the case, well, unless the Democrat majority changes in the election of 2020, then it's obviously favor Democrats. So this is the formula. This is the formula that Nancy Pelosi is drooling over right now. She's also drooling, by the way, over these predictions from 538. I don't like to quote 538 except to kind of laugh at them because 538 had effectively the same numbers four years ago as they have now. The odds of Joe Biden winning from 538 right now, 78%. It was higher than that for Hillary. It was in the 90th percentile for Hillary. So here we go again. 
538. Don't believe the polls. Don't believe the mainstream media. And remember the manipulation that's going on out there. They want Trump voters to look at these numbers and say, oh my goodness, uh, this is a lost cause. Let's not mail in our ballots. That's what they're hoping for. And of course, we have the one-on-ones coming up, the debates, and um, how big a role they play in the so-called undecided. I don't know how anybody in this country can be undecided, but my ledger register now is, will presidential debate, number one, affect or change how people vote? Um, Again, if there's a mushy middle, I suppose... We're going to find out very quickly. But remember, this election cycle, as much as Nancy wants it to be a repeat of history, is not going to be anything close. This is history in the making, the election of 2020, whether we like it or not. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way. The Archives Library of Congress, thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, if today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. <laughs>